Today, I want to talk to you guys about the three gifts that Jesus gave back. Last week, I talked about the three gifts that were given to Jesus, frankincense, myrrh, and gold, right? And what that meant and what those things meant, signifying and prophetically proclaiming that Jesus is the healer, he is royalty, and he is someone who can bring joy into our lives. <clears throat> this, this, uh, this week, I want to talk to you about the things that Jesus gives back to us, all right? That Jesus gives back to us. How many of you guys believe that Jesus has a plan? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to me to, to think this and, and to really dwell and ponder this, that, that we think we can see what God is really doing, right? We think we can see what God is really doing. But what God does a lot of the times, he puts up kind of a, uh, the Bible puts it really clear. He puts up just kind of a, a window, if you will, that is unclear, kind of like a, a plexiglass that has some stuff on it, right? And you can't really see everything that's going on, but you kind of have a little bit of an idea. And when we try to figure God out, that's the time where he likes to switch things. When we think we have them all taken care of and all figured out and the next moves that God's going to do, right, he begins to switch things. And so I want to encourage you today that in our country and in our nation and in your life, God has another move. God has something different that we necessarily may be not able to see. We can kind of see a little bit, but I make no mistake about it. The clarity of that is going to come into fruition here very, very soon. And we're going to see God come to the rescue in our nation in a very profound and very powerful way. Amen. I can't wait to see those things take place, whatever that's going to look like. But God's plans are much bigger than ours. Who would agree with that? Right. Whenever we have a plan and we have an idea, which we should, and we should put forth our plans and we should put forth our vision and we should put forth the things that we have. We should write them on paper. We should have an idea and a purpose of what we're doing. But God's plans and God's ideas and God's visions are much greater, much bigger, right? And much more satisfying than what we have in store for our own personal lives. And I always imagine what it would have been like in those days when Mary found out that she was going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. Think about that for a second. I've never had a, personally myself, me, as a man, I've never had a baby before. I heard it's like having a fever, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's common cold stuff, you know, whatever. I remember when, um, <clears throat> I remember when Caleb and Samuel were both born I remember that we, uh, the Lord actually, um, and, and, and believe this or not, it's okay. Um, um, the Lord actually gave me their names um, and, and what, what prophetically they were supposed to be about. And I had, Kristen and I both had these things kind of, and still have these things stored up in our hearts. And so when they're born, you hear, we heard the voice of the Lord saying very clearly, Caleb was going to be Caleb, right? Because Caleb means mountain mover. That's what the name Caleb means. And uh, Samuel was going to be Samuel. Now, with Samuel, um, Kristen had an idea that she wanted to name him Zachary. And I went, what? Zachary? Not that Zachary is a bad name, right? I'm not saying that that's what that is. But it just didn't seem like it fit. And so her and I went back and forth for, for a couple of days, two or three days, on what we were going to name Samuel. And Samuel was actually nameless for about three days. And... Uh, and, and we, we, we kind of talked back and forth, talked back and forth, talked back and forth. So finally, instead of saying Zachary Samuel, we called him Samuel Zachary Wallace. 
And we came to that agreement because Samuel was something that was, we just prophetically felt and we prayed about it. We prophetically felt that Samuel had a name to him that was when he showed up in a room, everybody knew Samuel was going to be there. He just carried a presence about himself. And if you know anything about my son Samuel, you'll, you, you see these kinds of things take place. You see these things happen. If you know my son Caleb, you'll know that, that, that now, 20 years later in Caleb's life, you see the things that prophetically were spoken over him when he was just a little bitty, 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 bitty baby, right? Now, starting to bloom and starting to come out, him being full with music and him being a worship uh, leader and him really diving into that. We're, we're seeing those things coming to play now. And I can't imagine what it was like when Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus, right? The things that she had to ponder and carry for such a long time, she was carrying more than a baby. She was carrying a promise. She was carrying a promise. But I can just imagine all the things she had to endure because of the promise that she was carrying, all the distrust maybe that got thrown her direction, the ridicule that happened, the abandonment that took place. I mean, just picture this real quickly for a second. Like, use, use the, 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 the cinema in your mind to, to understand that when, when, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she was a virgin. Think about that for a little bit. How, number one, that is a miracle in itself. How could that be, right? And the second thing was everyone around her was like, mm-hmm, virgin, right? I bet. And see, in those times, in those days, this was something worthy of death and of stoning, right? So, so here's Mary carrying this promise. She's being ridiculed. She's being talked about. She's being abandoned. She's being left out all because of the promise that she was carried. See, even her own husband, Joseph, had to be interrupted by an angel because he doubted that this actually was true and he needed a little bit of encouragement. I want to just declare here this morning and to our online audience, of those of you who are watching here this morning, thanks so much for coming. For those of you who are going to be listening later, that 2021 will be a year of the supernatural, supernatural windows opening over your lives. That we'll begin to experience the things that the Bible clearly talks about that happen in the Bible. What I find in the Western culture is that we read it, but we actually don't live it or experience or even sometimes believe that it happened. We think that it ended with this. I want you to know that angels still exist. And they still are active in your life. And I'm praying and I'm believing that God will open our eyes and open our hearts so we can actually see the angelic activity that's happening around us. Amen? The supernatural things that are happening around us, the things that are taking place, that God would open our eyes to sense, to feel, to hear, to see, to, to not just imagine and not just have delusions, but to literally move into a place where we can see the power and the supernatural power of God happen and exist in our lives, in your life and in my life. I remember times growing up, guys, where I would literally smell the roses of heaven, called the Rose of Sharon. Anybody remember that? I was 12 years old sitting at the altar in my home church in New Mexico. Nobody around me, just me and Jesus. A wind, just a little bit of breeze just went by me. 
and followed it with the smell of somebody's perfume, rose perfume, that's all I could think of. It's still real today as it was when I was 12. You see, because these are the things that God wants to begin to reintroduce in our lives. A new thing. I don't know about you, but I want the supernatural activity of heaven visible in my life. Amen? Who's with me? I want the supernatural activity visible in my life. And so when we talk about dreams, when we talk about um, angelic visitations, when we talk about um, um, the supernatural taking place, this is all in the Bible, not for us just to read a great story, but for us to live in an, an example of those things. So here's Joseph. She, he, had a, uh, he had an encounter with an angel in a dream and says, hey, it's all going to be okay. This is real. This is my version, okay? The JIV, the Jacob International Version, okay? This is, <laughs> this is my version, okay? It's all going to be okay. You see, and sometimes, think about this, sometimes in our lives, that promise that we're carrying, that others, the promise of God that you have in your heart, that others might even be pointing their noses up towards you, saying that'll never happen. They might even try to talk you out of that promise. The thing that God has spoken to you, whatever that promise is, whatever it is that God has spoken to you, they might even try to talk you out of that saying, listen, you've been praying for this for a while. It, it might be time to shift gears. That promise that others might try to even deter you away from what God has spoken to you. That promise that is gonna be messy. I'm okay with messy promises. Amen? I'm okay with messy promises because it all came out nice and packaged really, really great. That'd be cool too, right? But man, sometimes God doesn't work that way, the way that you want him to work in your life. Those promises that if we do not give up, and if the Bible says it like this, if we faint not, those promises will happen in our hearts and in our lives. What is it that God has spoken to you that is a promise to you? What is it that God has, has, has said to you that this will happen in your lives? Not necessarily the things that you've been asking him for, but the things that he's confirmed to you to say yes and amen, I agree. See, we have a partnership and relationship with him. I'm not gonna go into too much about promises, right? But we have this partnership and this relationship with God where we, he understands the desires of our heart because the true desires of our, of our heart are the desires that he puts there. And when we confirm that with him, he says yes and amen. Now, my Bible says and your Bible says that God's promises are always yes and amen. Amen simply means it is finished. I agree. Let it be so, right? Your promises, the promises of God that he has spoken to you that have been solidified in heaven and in your heart, the Bible says that those things will happen if we don't give up, if we don't quit. So what was this promise that Mary was carrying? What was this promise that Mary pondered in her heart? So let's read the word, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there are shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. 
you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths, sorry, and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Let me just stop right there and say this. When there is a promise that is given to you, it's solidified in heaven. Amen? It is done. But that does not mean that you don't have some effort to put into that promise as well. The shepherds had to go to the town of Bethlehem. They had to partner with what was spoken to find the promise. Just because somebody, just because the Lord says this is going to happen doesn't mean that you, have, you can stop praying about it doesn't mean that you can stop partnering in prayer and fasting and worshiping and believing and having faith for it. It's our privilege and honor and responsibility to see that thing through with the relationship that we have with Jesus. Because I think a lot of the times believers, including myself at times, when God says something to us, we just say, let it be. And then we never, we never expect it anymore. We never just let it, let it happen anymore. Let me just tell you, God wants to partner with you in this because he believes in you. Amen. He believes in you. He has much more faith in you than sometimes we have faith in him. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen, which were just as they had been told. So what was the promise? What, was this, what were the things that Mary pondered in her heart? What were the things that Mary at that moment were keeping in her heart? The promises. Well, number one, one promise that a gift that Jesus gave back to us was the gift of joy. Luke chapter two, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Listen to me. The gospel is good news. Amen. (laughs) The gospel is good news. And that good news should not just bring joy, but should bring great joy to every single one of us. And I think sometimes believers have missed the mark. We've actually actually relaxed a little bit on our salvation, thinking that God owes us something. Let me just tell you something. If God never did one more thing for you, would you still love him? Would you still love him? Would you still appreciate the cross? Would you still appreciate salvation? Would you still appreciate the things that he had already done for you? If nothing else was fulfilled in your life, would we still be in love with God? Because if we're just loving God because of the things he can do for us, let's check our heart on that because God is looking for lovers, not just people who want something from him. Amen. Merry Christmas. I'm really not great at Christmas messages. I'm so sorry. All right. I'm trying, though. I'm really, I'm trying. Joy. The Greek word for joy. It's, a, it's the coolest word in the, in, in, in the world, man. It's, it's, it's pronounced shara. 
which is really, you gotta roll your R's a little bit too, right? Can you guys roll your R's? My wife can't roll her R's. That's what she does. It's chara, which means, are you guys ready? This is what that word means. It means extreme joy. <laughs> That's it. Extreme joy. Since the beginning, before Jesus, the plan of God was that Jesus was to, was to be born to bring extreme joy in your life. Extreme joy in your heart. And I'm not necessarily talking about being all smiles all the time. I'm talking about being confident in the idea and the knowledge that Christ has you wrapped up in his hands and he will never leave you or forsake you. And to me, my friends, that brings me great joy. That brings me great joy to know that I will always have a friend in Jesus. I'll always have a friend in Christ. You see, the Old Testament, I believe the Old Testament is concealed and the New Testament is revealed. And in Jesus's lineage comes Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And a fun, a fun side note of that, the name Isaac literally means laughter. That's what the word Isaac means, is laughter. Laughter. We're going to do this real quick as an exercise, especially if you're sitting next to somebody. Okay, look at somebody and just laugh for a second. No, not everyone's doing it. Come on, come on, come on. Isaac means laughter, to laugh, right? To laugh, to laugh. <laughs> to bring laughter to your heart, to bring laughter to your life. I think, and I'm not saying this for everything, but I think a lot of people's problems physically in their life and in their heart when it comes to anxiety and depression is because they've lost the joy of the Lord. They, lo they lost what it meant to laugh again, to laugh again. Listen, nothing was taken from you. We gave in to what was the enemy was trying to do, for, trying to get us to get distracted from this. I want to encourage you today. Let 2021 be the year of laughter for you. Let 2021, you want to know how to defeat the enemy? Just laugh at him. Come on, somebody. Right? Just laugh at him. Right, he thought he had, he thought the enemy thought that he had Jesus beat on the cross, but all of heaven was throwing a party because they knew what was about ready to happen. Right, they knew what was about ready to happen. You and I are of the same lineage of Jesus Christ because we are sons and daughters of Christ. So therefore, our hearts are marked with laughter. Ha, with laughter in us. See, wherever there's Jesus, there's joy. I see a church that is full of joy and laughter. I was reading a story the other day by a, a worship leader. If you don't know this by now, but there's a gentleman by the name of Sean Foyt who's been going around all over the country holding worship, huge worship um, gatherings called Let Us Worship. And um, <clears throat> he went to Seattle to do one, about 10,000 people, I think, showed up to it outside, right? And all, a group of people came and started pouring glue all over their, um, their amplifiers and, and bringing water guns and water balloons and paints and all these things and started ruining all their instruments and all these things. And one of the group members who were doing that, they said, they said, the more we did that, the more the worship team laughed. 
and the more upset it made us. So we would do it more and the more they would laugh. Not at us, but laugh at the situation. How can somebody be joyful in persecution? Well, when you have the presence of Jesus as the earmarker in your life, then persecution becomes like joy to you. Right? And they just laughed and they just laughed. And this is a report on, on NBC, you know, because we can trust everything from there. And so here they are, right? They're, 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 he's giving, they're giving this report of what they were doing. And finally, finally, this group of people who was doing this finally said, we just couldn't take it anymore. So we just left. We just left. You want the enemy exited from your life? Just give him a little, good little laugh whenever he starts to throw something your way that, 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 that can really be hurtful to you or that can really be hurtful to your life, hurtful to whatever the case is, destruction in your life. You just simply look at him and you say, ha, 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 woo! I know Jesus has a bigger plan and a bigger promise for my life. Amen? Amen. See, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which usually reflects what Jesus is doing on the inside of you. And I believe it's totally possible to not let the exterior conflicts and situations dictate how we live and respond in this life. See, what's happening here is a pure reflection of how we respond to what's out there. What's happening here is simply a pure reflection of what's happening around our world. And you can usually tell when you're living from a place of defeat because everything around you seems hopeless and dry. Everything does. Everything does. Man, it's a beautiful morning outside. Yeah, you know, I wish it was just warmer, though. <laughs> okay, let's take another stab at this. Boy, you look beautiful today. You look so handsome today. Yeah, but I couldn't button my pants this morning. <laughs> Full disclosure, I buy stretchy pants, no lie. They're lying to me. They call it stretch denim. Right? Looks like denim, but stretches like sweatpants. Come on, man. It's a perfect combination. <laughs> you can usually tell if someone's living in this place of defeat because everything around them, everything seems hopeless and joyless. There's no hope at all. But if we truly believe this verse, that he came to give us life and have it more abundantly. Our lives should reflect his joy in our everyday lives, even in the middle of our trials and circumstances. It's not to say you're not going to have the bad things happen to you. Obviously, you're going to have those things. Amen. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to have these things. But let, me just, let me just say this real quick. The world is not going to magically just get better overnight. Do you guys hear what I just said? It's not just going to magically get better overnight. Things are good. To, we, we know what's going to happen at the end of the book, guys. We got it. We got the playbook. We know what's going to take place. We know what's going to happen. But in that playbook, it doesn't say that the believers just simply sit around and go, oh, no, I can't believe this is going on. I can't believe this is taking place. No, what the word of God says is that as the end times gets more closer to the return of Jesus, the church will rise up even more. And we're gonna do that. Why? Because we have the joy of the Lord set before us. Amen? The second gift that Jesus brought and gave back to us was peace. Isaiah chapter nine, verse, two, verse six says this, for unto us a child is born, 
to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Amen. I just got to say that. The government, yes, our government, will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. So why peace? See, I don't think in this verse God intended that peace would come over the world, although that will happen one day. It's more speaking to the peace in your soul and in my soul. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Amen. But God has come. Jesus Christ was born, died, resurrected for your joy and for your peace. He took all of that stuff and he slapped it on the cross when he went to the cross. On that day, everything that we could be dealing with right now, Everything that could come. There's nothing new to God. Hear what I'm saying, guys. What we're facing in this world today has, is, is pale in comparison to the things that they faced in the Old Testament and in, sometimes in the New Testament when there's persecution going on. Listen, we haven't even scratched the surface of that kind of stuff. So make no mistake about it. God is with you. He took it to the cross with him. And therefore, the trade-off and the return of that for those who believe is perfect peace. Perfect peace, but we have to be willing to trade our understanding of the situation in trade of his perfect peace. We want to understand what's going on, but sometimes some things aren't meant for us to understand. Sometimes some things are meant for us to simply trust. And when we trust, perfect peace begins to settle in. Wouldn't it be great to live a life and to walk in a way where nothing bothered you? Now, I'm not, you know, that seems supernatural, right? That seems like, oh, that'll never happen, (laughs) right? That'll never happen. It happened with Jesus when he was in the boat and there was a storm. He was sleeping at the bottom of the boat. Why? Because he had perfect peace. He had perfect peace. He got up. Because the disciples were really, really scared and really, really nervous. Really normal stuff, right? Maybe in your life, and I know for sure in our country right now, we're in the middle of a storm. We're in the middle of a storm. And we're all calling on Jesus. We're saying, Jesus, come help us. Jesus, come help us. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus, right now, is simply going, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you have that perfect peace? And what Jesus did, because he loves to respond to the people that have his heart, he got up from his sleep, right, went to the bow of the boat, and he says, peace, be still. And then he rebuked the disciples, and he says, oh, you have little faith. Thanks, Jesus. I was just asking you for your help. Come on, right? Why would he rebuke the disciples? In that time, why would he say, oh, you of little faith? I believe that Jesus wanted the disciples to get that you look out in the storm and you say, peace, be still. 
See, Jesus has put inside of our hearts the, the, the authority that, we, that he paid for on the cross. He has put inside of our hearts the authority that he purchased on the cross for us to stand at the edge of the storm and say, peace, be still. And I wonder sometimes if some things in our nations don't change because the church is going, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please. And God's heaven's looking back and on us going, you, please go out there and make something happen. Go out there and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, do the work of the kingdom of God and call out peace in this nation and call out peace where peace needs to be at. Now, I'm not saying to you this morning that we shouldn't cry out to Jesus. Everyone hear me? Okay? Everyone understand that. He's there for us, and we should. But in some circumstances, if we feel like God is not maybe answering us, like he's asleep, he's probably saying, come on, I gave this to you. What a teaching moment from the presence of Jesus to say, go in peace, be still. See, there's a battle raging, a fight for your peace, for your soul, for the state of your mind. It's a battle of the lust of the flesh, the battle of wounds in your heart, the battle of distraction and discontent. You see, if the enemy can distract you from your purpose, he can rob you of your peace. If the enemy can distract you from your purpose, he can rob you from your peace. Okay, Lord. The things that we're dealing with, I think sometimes we find our identity and our purpose and wrapped up maybe in our employment, maybe in our job, maybe in our family, maybe in situations that are going on, maybe in what we feel we're called to do rather than our purpose and identity being in him and whom has called us our identity being that knowing that we're saved. You know, the greatest trust that, that, that we can get from God is when he doesn't speak to us and says, I trust you enough to make a decision. Yeah. That's the greatest trust. God doesn't want robots where he has to tell you what to do, X, Y, Z. He wants you to step out in faith and just trust him. And just trust him. That's the, that's the greatest place of peace. See, God desires so much that you live from a place of peace, not only move towards it. Because when the battle comes, and when the battles go, we can keep even kill through it all because the peace of God will reign in our hearts. Colossians chapter three, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. The third thing and the final thing is this. Caitlin, if you can come back up, please, wherever you're at. The third thing is this, Jesus brought joy, he brought peace, but he mostly brought salvation. Joy and peace are bundled together in salvation. Amen? Bundled together in salvation. God became a man, he became like us, so that we could become like him. He partook of the flesh and the blood that through death, he can deliver us from bondage and from fear. 
See, the everlasting father was born of the son of man so that he can lay down his life. The invisible was seen in the flesh. The giver of life gave his life. The Bible says in John chapter one, verses one through four, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He is here, and he came to this earth on that day when he was born, when Mary was carrying the promise to bring salvation, knowing that that was the true purpose of why he was here. Through one man, sin entered the world, through Adam. Through one man, sin was destroyed, Jesus. Yes, Jesus was God. 100%, amen? He was God, but he was also 100% man. (laughs) He took on the sins of the world. He became sin, the Bible said. He became sin so you and I don't have to live in a place of sin anymore. See, he's here to save you, not just from eternity spent from him, but he's here to save you from the destruction the enemy makes so many times look so enticing. I can't tell you how many times in my years of full-time ministry that somebody comes to Jesus, knows who Jesus is, gives their life to Jesus, and then about six months later falls away from Jesus. The enemy will do everything that he can do to make the former life so enticing that you go back to that, knowing full well the only gift that the enemy can give you is death and destruction. But maybe that's not you this morning. Maybe there's something different. The enemy also looks at maybe some of us. Some of us have been believers for a really long time. But what has been enticing in your life that you have not yet given over to Jesus? That you haven't given, even though he purchased it, he paid for it on the cross, but yet you want to hold on to that because you feel justified for holding on to that. Maybe it's unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's jealousy. Well, my son. You know, and here's the thing. Whenever we start talking about this, everyone starts coming up with a reason why they feel the way they feel and how right they should feel about that. The reality is this, is that if we can't get that and give that over to Jesus, we're going to go into next year carrying the same baggage that God wants us to give up in 2020. He wants to give, he wants to give you life and have it to the fullest, but we reject that life when we hold on to the things that we justify as okay, unforgiveness, bitterness, sorrow, jealousy, lust of the flesh, fits of rage, whatever the case, whatever the Bible says that those things are, the acts of the flesh. 
You see, it's so easy to be tricked by the enemy to make you feel that you're in the right place. But make no mistake about it, God is showing you right now that he wants to come and offer salvation to that part of your heart, <clears throat> to that part of your life. Amen? How freeing is that? Just imagine. That is the cause, I think, sometimes of a lot of people's stress and anxiety is the things they hold here deep within their heart. When God simply just says, give that over to me. Give that over to me. See, as we roll back to Mary now, pondering all these things in her heart. I love that word, pondering. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus was at a wedding. He hadn't, he hadn't yet come out yet of the, as the Savior, as the Messiah. He's at a wedding. It's about 30 years old. Stayed there, got late in the night. And they ran out of wine at the wedding. It was a custom during those times that if you ran out of wine, that proved your financial status of how financially unstable you were. And maybe you weren't fit to marry that daughter or that son. <clears throat> and so here's Jesus with his, with the people there. And there's Mary, they run out of wine. And all this time for 30 years, married, Mary pondered the promise in her heart about the savior of the world. For 30 years, said this, I know that he's gonna do, I know that he's, I know he's gonna bring joy, I know he's gonna bring peace, and I know he's the savior of the world, the Messiah, because that's what was spoken to me. Let me just encourage you on something this morning. If God has spoken to you a promise and it has not come to fruition yet, don't worry. Don't give up on the thing that God has spoken to you. Sometimes God needs to mold it, shape it, so that way we're ready for the promise to come out. And so here's Mary pondering these things in his heart. It's the last barrel of wine. They all ran out. Mary, like a good mom would do, because you know good moms do this. They tell their sons what to do all the time. Said, uh, go fill up some barrels with water. Jesus is going to turn them into wine. As the first miracle to signify salvation. Jesus saved the day. And she, he, he, she pondered all these things in her heart. In her heart. Jesus then later on turned all the water that was given to him into wine. It's really interesting to me that the, the, everyone tries to figure this part out, right? Everyone tries, well, you know, the water was already, the wine was already fermented a little bit, and blah, 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 and they're like trying to scientifically try to prove what just happened. Can we just chalk it up to a miracle and say, this is what Jesus did on that day? He expedited time, what would normally take so much time to make wine, he pushed it forward and then wine was made from that. 
made from nothing to something. Let me just tell you this morning that that's where we're at as believers in our hearts, in our lives, in today's world. Number one, Jesus has the best wine for the last time. And that's where we're at right now. I believe this, that when Jesus was resurrected and went to heaven, the last days began. But I will say this, that we're in the evening hours of the wedding before we get married to Jesus, and the best is yet to come. The best wine is about to be poured out on this generation. Come on, somebody. The best wine is about to be brought to us in barrels that we cannot contain. <laughs> I'm so ready for it. Everyone, if you're in the stream, everyone begins, is, 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 is prophesying the great awakening, the this, the that. I'm here to tell you right now that the wine of heaven is about to be poured out in measures we cannot contain. Salvation, peace, joy, signs, wonders, miracles, supernatural power. We're going to see the things of the Old Testament and the New Testament marry each other. And we're going to see these things come in these, last, in these last hours before we get to heaven, before we're married to the King of Kings, before our, us as a bride, and, 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 and he comes back for us and calls us up. We're here, people. There's no more waiting around. Get ready. It's right now. And Jesus can do the miracle, amen? Because if he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it before, he can do it again. And in your life right now, I wonder what kind of miracle God wants to birth what kind of promise that God wants to birth in your heart and your life. Amen? It's a good word. Joy, peace, and salvation are the gifts that Jesus gave back to us so that way we can live in joy, peace, and the saving power of heaven. Why don't we go ahead and stand? Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence and your spirit and everything you've done. You are so good to us, Jesus. And God, I just ask this morning that we would have a heart of expectancy. Not, I can't wait till this year is done, but we have a heart of expectation going into 2021, knowing that, that the best has just begun. Open, cut the vats of the wine barrels of heaven and pour out the best. Right now, Jesus. Over our personal lives, over our businesses, over the decisions we have to make, over the things we've been believing for, for miracles. God, the healings, God, that we've been diligently believing and praying for. God, the people who are, who are infused, God, with this thing called cancer, 
Jesus, God, COVID-19, God, all these things, God, may you just completely, completely eradicate those things from our lives. It's not something that we have to just go through and endure, but God, we know that you're with us, Jesus, and we're taking on a new stance on these things. God, we're not just saying, God, let it happen. God, we're saying no, because we know, Jesus, that you are in charge, and we know, God, that you've got a plan and a purpose for this. Father, we love you, and we thank you. Everyone's head bowed and eyes closed as I, as I close here this morning. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I need joy, peace, or some kind of salvation in my life right now. We just raise your hand. Come on. That's all right. Good. Come on. Or you want joy. You want peace. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Let's take 30 seconds right now and let's just you pray. You pray for that right now. Come on, with your voices out. Come on, you just pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, you just pray. Speak it out. Come on. Speak over your own life. Speak over your own situation. Come on, speak over it is that you're dealing with. Right now, I just speak joy. I speak salvation right now. Father, I just ask and I pray right now that you would take care of every situation that everybody's going through. God, from the littlest to the smallest, it all means something to you because, God, I know that you care for us and your word says that you care for us, so therefore cast your cares upon you. And so, Jesus, we're gonna cast everything upon you because we don't wanna carry it anymore. So God, we just bless you, we honor you, we love you, Jesus. And Lord, I just, I, just, I just ask and I just declare this morning that everything we will be believing for, Father, God, healing in our hearts, healing in our bodies, Jesus, that Lord, it would just come, Father, right now in Jesus' name, for every joint, for every arthritic pain, God, no matter what it is, Father, whatever is not in heaven shall be not here on earth, God, and Lord, we just pray. Right now, we bind that up right now and we just loose the peace, we loose the joy, and we loose the salvation all over every single person, God, in this house. We thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We honor you today. Our hearts and our lives are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.